Welcome to Investment Matters, the Newton Investment Management Podcast. I'm Matt Goodburn from the Investment Communications team, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Louise Kernahan and Georgina Cooper from the Global Opportunities team. So welcome to you both. I'd like to start by saying, obviously, that you're both in quite new positions. Obviously, Louise, you're head of the Global Opportunities team now, and Georgina, you're a, a portfolio manager within that team, so you have various strategies that you, you look after. You've been in the role now, I think, for, for several months. Is that about right? I know you've been obviously getting acquainted with that. And uh, obviously, you've got your new roles, but you've just also hired uh, a new portfolio manager as well, haven't you, to, to join you in the team? We have, yes. So we've got Tom Wilson who's joined us. He joined us, I think it's six weeks ago now, and he's fitting in really well. We met him for the first time earlier this year and hit it off straight away. He comes from different firms to us, but he has been brought up investing with the same style and the same philosophy. So he's completely aligned to us. But in terms of the skills that he brings, I think he complements us really well. So, yeah, so far so good in terms of us going forward as a team of three. It's working really well. I'll start by asking a potentially quite an obvious question. You were previously running UK and European portfolios. This is obviously a, a global mandate. Can you just sort of explain to us the difference between the two and, and how they, they sort of compare and, and how they actually complement each other, perhaps? Yeah, sure. So when I decided to come to Newton in 2020, one of the real attractions of the investment platform here is the global setup. So... Previously, I've worked in teams that have been fantastic uh, in terms of having depth of knowledge of the UK market or the European market. Uh, But at Newton, everything is analysed within a global context. And we've got our global research team here who um, are truly comparing UK and European companies with the US and emerging market peers. So even coming to Newton as a UK uh, investor, I was speaking to the global analysts about how our stocks compared to other stocks. So, for example, we're not looking for necessarily the best UK pharmaceutical within the UK. There's not that many pharmaceuticals in the UK. We were looking for the best UK pharmaceutical on a global basis. So we were still talking about these stocks outside of the UK, even as UK managers. So it means now that we've got this expanded role investing in global and international equities means that we're still talking to the same analysts and we're talking about the same stocks. We just have the remit to be able to buy more of these other stocks. We've got a greater opportunity set, which is hugely exciting for us. I'll come to you as well, Georgina. Obviously, we know that there is that international makeup of the UK market, as you say, which, as Louise says, which gives you a good sort of head start, I suppose, looking internationally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's over 70% of um, UK companies' earnings are generated overseas. So when we think about looking at um, the quality of a UK company, we have to consider the the competitive set, the, the business model and we compare those kind of things on a uh, global basis. Uh, And similarly, you know, the thematics that occur um, and that we identify through our framework, these are very much um, identified on a global basis as well. I think another thing to note as well is that um, whilst running our UK portfolios, we've always had the ability to invest up to 20% overseas. And that's something that we have used to our advantage. You know, as Louise said, we really want to be owning the best stock on a global basis. And particularly in the UK, where there, you know, there isn't access to some of the thematics, um, the obvious one would be tech. There's not really many tech stocks within our benchmark. So we have always invested um, in some of these global names to gain exposure to those trends that we think are really important over the longer term. 
that, that all makes perfect sense. Should we have a look then at your, for those that maybe don't know you so well, let's talk about your style of investing. How would you describe yourself as um, investment managers? So we invest with a long-term horizon. So with that in mind, we're looking to buy and hold quality companies. Uh, and by quality, we mean companies that have the ability to grow over and above GDP into the long term and for that growth to be sustainable. And by sustainable, I mean not be competed away. So we're looking for companies that have a competitive advantage, uh, which is going to last a long time. And we're looking for high barriers to entry. We're also looking for companies that are highly profitable. So they convert a lot of that revenues down to profit and characteristics that drive that are strong pricing power. And it also comes back to having that competitive advantage. If that profit then translates through to cash flow, then it's the growth combined with that cash flow which drives the compounding of our stocks in the long term. And often these stocks are underappreciated by the market. So whilst one might say, oh, well, that sounds really obvious, Louise, of course you want stocks that are going to compound. Well, it's not that easy. Uh, there's lots of different dynamics, different themes happening in the world. And the themes are really what inform our view to help us find the opportunities where we do find that some themes or stock attributes are underappreciated by the market. Okay, well, should we talk a little bit about perhaps some of those those investment themes? Also, we have micro and macro. Are there any in particular at the moment that are holding your attention or, or giving you some quite useful insight into certain companies? Absolutely. I mean, one theme that's really hot topic at the moment is these uh, obesity products that we are seeing coming from the diabetes companies. And we're really just at the start of the wave. Uh, the two large pharmaceutical companies globally that have a hold of this market are still at very, very early stages in terms of being able to supply it into the market. And we still don't know exactly how that supply demand is going to play out, but we can see that this could potentially be a paradigm shift in terms of global healthcare. I think it's really interesting for those pharmaceutical companies themselves on the one hand, but I think actually a potentially more interesting theme looking ahead from this point is the impact on other sectors or other companies within the healthcare sector. We're seeing a lot of disruption and a lot of large moves, which I think with hindsight we'll think were unjustified. And so we're really trying to untangle how this theme is playing out with our stocks and where the opportunities are. Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose hopefully it's freeing up some opportunities that might have been missed by others in the market in that turbulence. Um, you've talked about using a differentiated lens. I mean, you've probably touched on some of those elements already. Do you want to explain what, what you mean by that when you, when you approach your investing? Absolutely. So there's a few different elements to that. One element of the different lens is our analyst team. So rather than being split by sector, which is what most of our industry do, our analyst team is split by pod. And by pod, we mean by type of business model. So it means that rather than having an analyst who's comparing, for example, the whole chemical sector against each other, which is a hugely diverse sector, and it doesn't often make sense to have, a, for example, a bulk commodity company be compared to a speciality chemical company that's got much more sort of quality compounding type characteristics. Instead of looking at it through that lens, we're looking at our stocks through the lens of how does this stock compare with other opportunities within the same business model set. So that gives us just a different way of looking at the stocks which we think draw out different opportunities. 
I think that's probably one of the advantages of the Newton platform, actually, because whilst a lot of sector analysts are very dialed into the specialties within their sector, you can often find that um, analysts pick up biases and, you know, they can have a very strong view uh, across that entire sector. I think the advantage of uh, looking at business models instead is that you're really looking at the fundamentals of the company, which ultimately we believe is the thing that's the most important when coming to, to look at a stock and analyse a stock. Well, should we explore a bit deeper into that? We talked about the pod structure and how it is quite differentiated. Are there specific pods at the moment that you're, you're working closely with or you're getting some particularly good ideas from working for you at the moment? Yeah, I mean, naturally, I think our style does fall um, into us working with um, more analysts in the growth cyclical pod, in the secular pod, and in the research and development pod. So those are clearly really strong relationships that we've built there. Uh, Louise has already mentioned the the research and development uh, pod and the ideas that we've seen within the obesity space. I think uh, within the growth cyclical space, this sort of ties in both with the pod structure, but also with one of our thematics. Whether you believe it or not, um, people are paying more attention to climate change at the moment, and companies are being put under a lot of pressure to be more resourceful in terms of how they operate their businesses, and they clearly have targets that they have to reach in terms of their scope one, two, and three emissions. The growth cyclical pod identifies some really interesting ideas within that space. They certainly do. And I suppose that leads us towards looking at one of our newer themes, uh, which helps you to frame your um, your investments, uh, natural capital. Do you want to just talk to us a bit about that particular theme? Natural capital looks at asset utilisation. Um, you know, there's some really great rental companies that are working on that ability to enhance utilisation, which not only saves costs for a company, but is improving their global footprint and um, their emissions targets at the same time. Well, obviously, you've already talked about, you know, you have this uh, long term bottom up process uh, and you work close with the pods. But are there at the moment any particular countries? Are you seeing interesting ideas coming from particular regions or countries at the moment? So we do construct a portfolio from a bottom up perspective. So it will be the case that our country allocation is a function of the stocks that we find within that country. That being said, different countries do have different dynamics in terms of evaluations of stocks and we are finding particular opportunities in UK and Europe notwithstanding that there are clearly the large tech stocks in the US are an area where there's clear opportunity you have to be careful with those they've obviously been a key driver of global performance this year I think you have to look at those on a stock by stock basis we think that some of them uh, have a long way to still run could continue to be winners and other ones potentially less so so we're looking at those stocks more on an idiosyncratic basis uh, but we're certainly finding lots of opportunities more from a valuation perspective in the uk and europe i think it's also worth mentioning japan as a, a region you know historically uh, japanese companies haven't been the most obvious uh, place uh, to hunt for good ideas um, you know they haven't yielded the best returns over time but i think this could actually be quite an interesting period because we're seeing the tokyo stock exchange put more pressure on these companies to think more about all of their stakeholders to think more about that return threshold to think more about capital allocation and in time i think that could generate a slight change in in the way that those companies um, do deliver and perform so that's certainly an area that we are looking at in more detail too okay so clearly quite a long-term interesting story in japan and, and perhaps you'll be looking to 
increase exposure over time there, I guess. Well, should we just sort of broaden it out now? We've had a few client questions, I think, over the last few sort of weeks and months about, you know, what we think about growth versus value at the moment. And obviously both those areas have got their significant sort of uh, pros and cons. How do you see growth versus value as you look across all of the market? What, what are your views on that area at the moment? I think the thing that we have to remember is that we're looking at the market as a whole. There's not yeah. this really clean bucket of stocks that are growth stocks that do one thing and a clean bucket of stocks that are called value and do another thing. There's just a multitude of different companies with different growth profiles and different valuations. And it's historically been the case you know, over the past decade when rates have been so low that a lot of the high growth stocks have been on high valuations and rising rates have changed the valuations of those companies. That's just how that is. And so that's why we've seen this normalisation. But if we think about the outlook ahead, with rates where they are, it's unlikely that we're going to see another step change like that. I think it will be a more balanced outlook and I think it's more nuanced. So if a company can deliver the growth outlook that the market expects, then it will maintain its premium rating and vice versa. I think what we have to be really careful with is that the macro environment is really tough at the moment and there will be high quality, high growth stocks that are on a high multiple that slip up and that multiple go into question and that's where we find the really dramatic share price drops and so that's what we really want to avoid. What we really want is the stocks that have really high growth potential which is underappreciated by the market and they always exist and they exist now and they've existed in the past and that's what we're really trying to find. So plenty for you to, to, to go for there still in the, in the universe of stocks that you now have. Absolutely, there's always opportunity and particularly volatile times like this provide even more so. So just coming back to you, Georgina, I suppose this shows the importance of uh, continuing to apply a quality lens to your investment process. I think this market actually uh, brings home the point that actually you really do have to focus even more on that quality aspect of companies because, uh, as Louise said, it's a very volatile time. You need to have those companies that are going to uh, survive and hopefully get stronger in, in these difficult times, whether that be the fact that they have the strong balance sheets that they can ride through these higher interest rate environments and, and still support growth and, and deliver those high returns. I think it's also important that that they maintain their competitive positioning and, and their pricing power. Um, that was particularly important in this last year where inflation has been very high. We're still navigating periods where labour inflation is, is one of the, the key issues still facing companies. So those companies that are mission critical or providing a mission cri critical component or service to a business are more likely to be able to hold on to that pricing power even with their costs going up. And also they're starting from a higher position of strength so their gross margins are higher so even if there is a little bit of um, pressure on costs you know going from 70% gross margins to 65% gross margins hurts a lot less than a company with 15% gross margins going to 10% to gross margins so whilst these markets are turbulent you know it's really important to stick to our process and we ultimately think that these hard environments give opportunities for stocks like I've just mentioned uh, to be best positioned to well in this difficult time. Well thank you, so hopefully plenty to go for despite the, the difficult backdrop that we're all in. So it uh, just remains for me to say thank you to our guests Louise, Georgina and I wish you both all the success in, in your not so new roles now over the coming uh, weeks and months and years and we'll leave it there for today then. So uh, thanks for joining us and we'll catch up with everyone again soon.
your capital may be at risk. The value of investments and the income from them can fall as well as rise and investors may not get back the original amount invested. Any reference to a specific country or sector should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell investments in those countries or sectors. Please note that holdings and positioning are subject to change without notice. Analysis of themes may vary depending on the type of security, investment rationale and investment strategy. Newton will make investment decisions that are not based on themes and may conclude that other attributes of an investment outweigh the thematic structure the security has been assigned to. Where material and relevant information exists, analysis may vary depending on the type of security, investment rationale and investment strategy. Newton does not currently view certain types of investments as presenting ESG risks, opportunities and or issues and believes it is not practical to evaluate such risks, opportunities and or issues for certain other investments. In addition, Newton will make investment decisions that are not solely based on ESG considerations. Newton may conclude that other attributes of an investment outweigh ESG considerations when making investment decisions. Newton manages a variety of investment strategies. How ESG considerations are assessed or integrated into Newton's strategies depend on the asset classes and or the particular strategy involved. ESG may not be considered for each individual investment and where ESG is considered, other attributes of an investment may outweigh ESG considerations when making investment decisions. ESG considerations do not form part of the research process for Newton's small cap and multi-asset solution strategies. For institutional clients only, issued by Newton Investment Management North America LLC, Newton Investment Management North America LLC NIMNA, or the firm, is a registered investment advisor with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, and subsidiary of the Bank of New York Mellon Corporation, BNY Mellon. The firm was established in 2021, comprised of equity and multi-asset teams from an affiliate, Mellon Investments Corporation. The firm is part of the group of affiliated companies that individually or collectively provide investment advisory services under the brand Newton or Newton Investment Management. Newton currently includes NIMNA and Newton Investment Management Limited NIM and Newton Investment Management Japan Limited NIMJ. Any statements of opinion constitute only current opinions of NIMNA, which are subject to change and which NIMNA does not undertake to update. This publication, or any portion thereof, may not be copied or distributed without prior written approval from the firm. Statements are correct as of the date of the material only. This document may not be used for the purpose of an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction or in any circumstance in which such offer or solicitation is unlawful or not authorised. The information in this publication is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations for any purchase or sale of any specific security. Some information contained herein has been obtained from third-party sources that are believed to be reliable, but the information has not been independently verified by NIMNA. NIMNA makes no representations as to the accuracy or the completeness of such information. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee returns or eliminate risk in any market environment, and past performance is no indication of future performance. The indices referred to herein are used for comparative and informational purposes only and have been selected because they are generally considered to be representative of certain markets. 
Comparisons to indices as benchmarks have limitations because indices have volatility and other material characteristics that may differ from the portfolio, investment or hedge to which they are compared. The providers of the indices referred to herein are not affiliated with NIMNA, do not endorse, sponsor, sell or promote the investment strategies or products mentioned herein, and they make no representation regarding the advisability of investing in the products and strategies described herein. Any forward-looking statements speak only as of the date they are made and are subject to numerous assumptions, risks and uncertainties which change over time. Actual results could differ materially from those anticipated in forward-looking statements. If distributed in the UK, EMEA, Australia, New Zealand, this podcast is issued by NIM and may be deemed a financial promotion. NIM is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, FCA, 12 Endeavour Square, London, E20 1JN, in the conduct of investment business. Registered in England, number 01371973. NIM is also registered as an investment advisor with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, to offer investment advisory services in the United States. If distributed in Canada, this podcast is issued by NIMNA, which is availing itself of the International Advisor Exemption, IAE, in the following Canadian provinces, Alberta, British Columbia, Manitoba and Ontario, and the Foreign Commodity Trading Advisor Exemption in Ontario. The IAE is in compliance with the National Instrument 31-103, Registration Requirements, Exemptions and Ongoing Registrant Obligations.